Hey, and welcome to Gizmo Sapiens Show 110, Piece of the Pie. So, it's been a actually over a week at this point since Apple had their last event, but I always like to wait and talk about these things um, a little bit after because, you know, uh, particularly I, I like to wait and talk to after they sh start shipping these things and, and the reviewers get their hands on the actual devices because Apple doesn't do pre-event review uh, things uh, unlike the way they've been doing the Steam Deck and stuff you know <laughs> reviewers tend to get their uh, review items maybe a few days before they actually start to ship with Apple as opposed to months and months and months before so um, it was you know a typical March annual event for Apple uh, new iPads except the new iPad is now even though it's an air that they released it has an M1 um, Apple sock so it's as powerful as the iPad Pros so that's assuming the next time they rev the iPad Pros we're gonna see a more powerful M1 processor in those uh, they released a beautiful new Apple display that is far more still very expensive but far more um, reachable by professional and consumer Mac users um, it's only $1,500 instead of 6000 but Practically giving it away. Well, you know, there is a huge difference, and that's one of the things that nobody has really understood about Apple monitors. And one of the things is, is even back in the day with classic Macs and all of that, the Apple monitors actually, even though they were Sony Trinitron tubes, because this is before LCD panels, there was a whole bunch of logic Apple put into those monitors so that the colors would stay true. So that professionals who are using the monitors, you know, in the publishing industry, in the graphics arts industry, in the video editing industry, um, and, you know, the, these creators, the color over time um, on tubes and, and even LCDs today, that color changes as they age, as the technology ages. And so the they had a logic in there that would fix that. It would adjust the colors in the monitors so that they would stay as true and, and stay to, that's why Apple always had color profiles in the, in the video settings, so that the monitors would stay as true to color as they possibly could. And that's the same way with the current um, new 27 inch um, Apple display. It has an A13 chip in it, uh, which is in iPhones, uh, current iPhones. And, um, its job is to do things just like that. Is that so over time? So this monitor, instead of being, yeah, it's a fifteen hundred dollar monitor, but instead of it being an investment that you might uh, be able to use from three to five years, that you can use it for ten to fifteen years, and you know the color you look at it is going to still be the same color as it was the day you got it on day one. And it has some other things in there. There's logic in there for their um, the uh, FaceTime camera that's built into the monitor so that uh, the camera will follow you and center you on screen anywhere in the room. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that it does. There, you know, and that's why the A13 is in there because it has some AI cores that help do that type of stuff. Um, for me, that's the most exciting thing because I have a modern MacBook Pro and I would like to have a real, I have a Samsung M7 monitor, which sucks. Don't ever buy one. Uh, 
I guess they're okay, but uh, it, they, they certainly, I have lots of issues with them. With both my modern MacBook Pro and my modern uh, Dell XPS 13. That monitor just does not like, and it's not an old monitor. That's what I don't understand about it. it is, it's just not, it's not as, even though it's advertised as a, a uh, high level monitor, it is not a high level monitor. I wish I had spent another $400 and bought an LG or something. I would be much more happy. Um, but we'll go into that rant in a later date. And then Apple also released a new desktop. And this desktop is what they call the Mac Studio. And the Mac Studio is, is interesting. It's the same as far as desktop footprint is the same as the current Mac Mini. But it is more powerful than Apple's current Mac Pro systems with a few caveats. You can't get as much memory in it. But it uses a dual uh, Apple M1 Max, which they call an M1 Ultra chip with up to 128 gigabytes of memory. And... Uh, very, very, very powerful machine. I actually just want a, I, I do want one of those, but it's not a, a huge priority. That's more of a want uh, to do some, some things that, well, I'm off using my MacBook Pro other places. And, uh, but a very, very neat machine. I'm not going to go into depth on these machines. Uh, there's plenty of reviews out there. They're getting rave reviews. Um, the, the sleeper of the bunch was Apple's release of the new iPhone SE, which is their lowest end model, but, and, and this might be interesting, or interesting to you, so it's an A13 chip, which is the same chip as in the iPhone 13, iPhone 13 Pro, but it's in the iPhone 8 form factor, which is what you currently have. Nice. And, but, and it, right now, as far as a, it's the low-end phone in Apple's uh, war chest, which is a phone a lot of people will buy. That's what your kids will end up with and everything else um, if you're shopping for cell phones for your kid or your first real cell phone for your kid. And um, But you have to wonder, every other iPhone SE that they've put out is usually at least the previous gen's chip. So it might have been the iPhone 8 form factor, but with the iPhone 12, it was an iPhone 11 chip, that kind of thing. So why would they go ahead and jump uh, to the, the A13 that's in their flagship phones? I have a couple of reasons. One, I think it's supply chain. Apple secured the manufacturer of a whole bunch of A13s, and it was easier to convert the other if they were going to do another A-something chip. Also, the same reason the A13 is in the, the new studio display. Um, that way they could put all their manufacturing towards A13 chips and those chips would then be available to host a, a whole bunch of new Apple uh, devices. That makes sense. The other reason I think they did it, particularly in the iPhone SE, is you know Apple is rumored to have be bringing out a um, augmented reality device, an AR device. Not a VR device, but an augmented reality device. It would make complete sense if you wanted the widest adoption of this device that and that all new phones from the lowest to the highest had a uh, you know the, the most modern processor in them to be able to support these functions you know with an augmented reality device 
And the A13 certainly has its own neural engine cores and things like that to do advanced, uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning things that AR devices are going to require. And I think, I think between those two reasons, that's why you see the A13 in Apple's entire lineup in that respect. I also, that's the same reason why they moved the iPad Air to the M1 is because that way they don't have, they have fewer chips. Again, they, they have to manufacture, you know, across the board. So it was an exciting week that week. I'm still reading a lot of reviews. I'm, I'm, uh, my goal is to, I'm selling my M7. Like I said, it's not a bad monitor, but it doesn't do what I need to do with the work that I need to do. So when I'm doing audio and video and, um, and, and with my MacBook Pro, it's a complete stumbling block. It doesn't support anything greater than 60 hertz. And so the video uh, becomes really difficult. I can't use, because it's a smart monitor. <clears throat> it, you know, it's it, like an Apple monitor. It has USB-C. It will charge your, your, uh, your Mac or your PC via the, the USB-C cable, as well as connecting it to a hub inside the, the thing. Well, on the DisplayPort side of it, they didn't enable it to do even 60 hertz refresh, so it only does 30 hertz. Well, the current MacBook Pros and my current Dell XPS can't do lower than 60 on DisplayPort because their, their default is 120. And then you go to the, the 4K HDMI side of it, which I can make it work on my MacBook Pro, but then again, it has to dump it from 120 hertz to 60 hertz. And that really hurts, mm -hmm. pun intended. Yeah, I see what you did there. Um, you know, in getting some of the, the work I need done done. So, uh, also of note with the Mac Studio, that was timed perfectly with Blender getting their uh, M1 Mac native version of Blender going. Uh, they released it the same day or the day after Apple announced the Mac Studio. And so my son, who does digital effects and video editing and graphic design, he's all over that. Now, he too has a new MacBook Pro with an M1 Max. But um, for like Blender work where you need to let it sit and, and computate to get stuff done, he's just eyeballing one of those, those Mac Studios for just that. Plus, it take, they use so little power compared to like a Mac Pro. Um, and <clears throat> they're portable. I mean, um, uh, my favorite laptop bag company um, out of San Francisco, they're already making a bag for the Mac Studio so that professionals can take it with them, you know, when they go on, go, go to work. Nice. So that's, that's really exciting. So that part of tech, the exciting part of tech, and now we're going to talk about the seedier side of tech. So in the fall of 2020, this poor guy who's now bankrupt and gone out of business, um, said he had Hunter Biden's laptop. I gotta get political here. <laughs> Which happened to have been a Mac as well. But he left it without paying for the service that was done on it at a repair store in Delaware. It becomes that when you do that, after repeated attempts, his contract that he signed for the repair says that, that in compensation, that becomes the property of the store owner. And he subsequently gave the New York Post a copy and Julie, Rudy Giuliani and also turned over all the information on the laptop to the Justice Department.
And the Justice Department kind of buried it. New York Post published it, um, got all of their social media accounts banned. Um, and lo and behold, this last week, the New York Times has verified that that laptop is the real deal and it is not Russian uh, disinformation. And so now everybody's got egg on their face, except for the New York Post and Fox News. <laughs> and it's been fun watching um, Jen Psaki tell everybody that, well, Hunter Biden doesn't work for the government and the justice, you, you know, to contact his lawyer or the Justice Department. Yet, a lot of the information on that laptop, and, and my point is this, in today's world with computers, and even with things like encryption and all this, obviously, this laptop was not encrypted. If you're going to do illicit things, and you're going to shop your father to get favors from foreign governments, and, and money and compensation, you gotta be smart enough to encrypt your laptop. <laughs> But Hunter Biden isn't smart. No. Well, I, I mean, well, his he, lifestyle choices alone are enough to tell you that. Yeah. I mean, politics aside. But he's the smartest man Joe Biden knows. Well, <laughs> that is apparently a low bar. Joe Biden needs to get into a, a few new rooms. Yeah. He needs to get out and meet some people. That's the truth. But, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. So, you know, there's all this outrage and stuff, and um, a lot of legal experts have been saying that, you know, there is going to definitely be an indictment now. Partly because the Justice Department can't. It, the cat's out of the bag. It's been verified by another source that they thought would help hide this. So the Justice Department is going to have to do something. Now, the question is, is whether the Justice Department is going to do something and it is going to be a meaningless act, you know. I'm just surprised they didn't wait until the start of a potential second term to admit that this well, is the real deal and not Russian disinformation or whatever lie of the week. Well, I think, they, I think it was let out because, right, and this is a theory I, I, I agree with, I heard it from somebody else, which is with the midterm elections coming up, they want to ensure that all of these people who um, helped tell this, Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi and, and, and all of these, these people, and, and, the, and the funny thing is, is I heard this is from the left. Um, partly because they want they they these people have not worked out to be the dogged defenders of their their uh, green new deal and things like this, um, and so they're trying to put up a lot of opposition for the existing people so that new candidates can be introduced into the the mix during midterm elections because at the end of the day. While the president of the United States is important, the president doesn't enact the legislation. That's only if you have a government that will abide by the Constitution. 
Yeah. Which we do not have. Not at the moment, no. No, we haven't had one in quite a while. And what does the Constitution say? Well, it says that Congress is where all of that action takes place. But you and I both know that from at least Nixon on, the power of the executive order has grown mm -hmm. to be its own thing. The federal bureaucracy now is is in control, and that's because Congress continues to to abdicate their responsibility of oversight. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so let me ask you this question. Is it because Congress cannot bring a... Uh, you know, reach across the aisles and, and come to a bilateral agreement? No, I think it's because there is a, um, a general degradation of the quality of candidate and office holder. Right. I agree with you there. Well, and that... We, we no longer have people who are competent in anything other than bickering. And why is that? Part of it is, is, what did George Washington say? He said all political parties and lawyers should be illegal. <laughs> and that's because most of our politicians, not all of them, but a, a large amount of them, are what? They're not only just politicians, they're lawyers. <clears throat> who never actually really practiced law. Uh, well, and I'll take that a step farther. I will say they've never worked in the private sector at all. Mm -mm. Um, and the intention of our founders was that, like the Roman Republic, is that you would come into public office not because you wanted to be in public office, but because it was your civic duty. You would do your time, and then you would leave. You wouldn't be a politician who was there uh, as a career politician, you know, where you'd spend your time essentially growing up as, you know, as a political candidate or an aide to a political candidate or whatever. But the reason for that is we've made it too comfy yes. to be a politician. It's, it's, it's now a career choice rather than a public well, service. It's a great career choice. Where else, what other job can you go into... Um, making average Joe money and come out being a millionaire. And why is that? Well, one of the reasons, um, one of the things that, you're, just like campaign finance reform, you're never going to see Congress enact any laws against barring sitting congressmen and senators from being able to, or from be, not getting any gains from investments. And so, $800 billion in aid to the Ukraines, while that sounds great on paper, it was only voted for largely because a lot of these folks have huge stock grants from Boeing and Raytheon and all these Beltway bandits who supply the munitions that this $800 billion in aid is going to purchase. Which means, guess what? Our stock prices go up. We make more money. And yes, we're a capitalistic society, but 
that is not the intention of that capitalism is not supposed to influence the way we actually partake foreign policy in respect to um, putting more money in our pockets. I would go a step further to say that that's a particular brand of capitalism that is actually destructive in the long run to the capitalist system. Yes, absolutely. Because it it corrupts the system in such a way that ultimately um, isn't good for business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, the, the problem is, is it, it, there's no integrity in it. Well, I mean, there's a, uh, there's a portrayal of capitalism and capitalists as being immoral or amoral anyway, yeah. which I think does a disservice to what capitalism is really all about. Yes. Which is the the lifting of all boats. Yep. You know, I mean it's it's not enough to 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 make money just for yourself, but the idea which plays into the the concept of the American dream is to make the world a better place for the next generation well, or for your fellow man. Yes. Well, you know, also, the idea is that the government is for the people and of the people and by the people. And today, it is a government for the government, by the corporations, for the corporations. Because um, if you look at 90% of the laws that are passed... Only certain corporations. Yes. But they they don't protect the individual. They always protect... And why is that? Well, that's because corporations have the monetary leverage to be able to um, affect, you know, these congressmen and senators and influence the way they vote, as opposed to what they're supposed to do, which is the individuals should have access to congressmen and senators and, you know, they reflect their constituents so I, one thing, while I don't think in the federal government they'll ever be able to um, they'll never vote for any legislation that will limit their ability to make money through stock holdings and things like that while they're in office. But at the state level, you certainly could. Because, you know, every state, you know, the, the whole idea of the, the idea of states is that, you know, and, and the reason we have 50 different state constitutions was that, although there are a lot of similarities, you know, it was an experiment to see what worked. Yeah. And so every some, state is a lab to, to figure out whether or not policy should be advanced or not. Correct. And so, you know, between the 50 states, sometimes you have some states who have part-time legislature, where those guys, they, they literally are spending money for the people, out of their own pockets, um, because they're not being compensated nearly as much as some of the states who have full-time legislatures. But even the full-time legislatures, 
those guys are not, for the most part, until they make it to, you know, being a a congressman or, or senator at the federal level, um, they aren't making tons and tons of money and things like that. So I think at a place like that, you have people who are a little bit closer to, you know, the plebeians of society <laughs> and, you know, would understand making some legislation like, you know, I, 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 to me, a good idea would be like if Ohio did that, you know, they could enact something that says that, well, while you're in office, you know, any gains you have, we're going to tag, uh, you know, at, at a stock level. They could do it several ways. One, you could just say you can't accept anything, you know. Yes, you can own it, but you can't accept any dividends or, or, or anything like that. Or it has to be held in escrow, and you can't get it until, you know, 20 years after you're out of office. Or See, they, my could, problem, my they problem could say with that is, is we could tax it at, at 10 times the rate at the state level that we normally do. My problem with all of that mm -hmm. is well, they'll still get it. I know. Well, at the end of the day... And I don't begrudge them that. It's the, it, it's the ethical bit where they don't... Uh, uh, where they vote on things that mm -hmm. directly affect themselves. Themselves. Well, the only other way to fix that is that while you're in office, you don't get it, you know, or um, you have to. Not only do you have to disclose everything you you or your spouse owns. Um, you know, and that may have to go down to your kids and, you know, and your parents or whatever. But that you, any assets that are personally yours, you have to divest yourself of them while you're in office. You know, and, and, and you know, it, it's hard to say that because there, there are, you're there talking are, there, about integrity versus capitalism. There are civil liberties concerns with that. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. No, I'm saying with your solution, there are civil liberties no, concerns with that. That's and, what I'm saying. And, and I don't think that's necessarily. We have laws on the books. We have to enforce them. That's the problem. That, that is true. There are ethical. There are ethical rules that are not being followed, and that's that's the problem. They well, aren't being enforced. That's because the executive office who controls the the uh, Department of Justice isn't going to enforce something because lest ye be the one who casts the first stone. <laughs> well, and, and, and while you're talking federal system, the... the and don't get me on state. It's not like there isn't corruption state. Let's look at Householder in Ohio and, and all of those. But you're talking about two totally different systems, too. Yes, you're absolutely. You're not entirely correct in saying that it's it's all on the Department of Justice at the federal level. There are congressional ethics committees that should be bearing teeth that aren't. And the reason they're not is because... Yeah. For every finger I point, I got three pointing, pointing back. back at me. Yeah, which, exactly. You know, the people we appoint to these committees are... Are, it's like 
it's like when uh, when that rogue nation gets appointed to the Security Council of the UN that has all those humanitarian violations. You're like, how can that be? Yeah. When you when you put when you put a Charles Rangel on the ethics committee, that should raise flags. Yep. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. But you know, it, it, and I agree. It probably started with with Nixon. It, it probably started actually before Nixon. It, I would say it probably started even before Kennedy. Um, but we, you know, the the government, it's gotten to the point where our politicians that we elect believe themselves to be so far above the law that um, they can't be trusted. Well, it, and and the few, the funny thing is, the few, and, and I mean, there are a few. You can count them on on a on your hand, and, and the only reason I I think they are trustworthy is. One, the things that have happened to them. But two, regardless of what's happened to them, they have not changed their rhetoric. You know, you, you look at some people like AOC who, you know, finding that she can't get anywhere and they think she's a laughing stock of Congress and, and having her own state gerrymander things so that her congressional district goes away so that she can't be reelected in the next election, as at least as a congresswoman, to people like Rand Paul and Thomas Massey and Tulsi Gabbard and and those folks who have repeatedly, you know, they they stand by what they say. And you're also talking about like in Rand Paul's case, he's he he literally lives the way or the the truth of the way the founders wanted to do. Um, you know, wanted politicians to work, whereas he's still a practicing doctor, yet he serves his time as a, as a senator in Kentucky, unlike the senior senator of Kentucky, Mitch McConnell, who is a career politician and should never have had uh, the career that he has had. And he, you know, and he's one of those, you can definitely say, believes he's above the law. I mean... And, and I understand this whole idea of, you know, political favors and trading and, and everything. But now it, it, it's not like, it, it's now an expectation as opposed to, uh, you know, an, an actual political, a useful political tool, in my opinion. Because... He certainly is not. He was given many, many favors by the previous administration, and he certainly did not hold up his end of the bargain. No. Which meant that they should have never been given. Favors never should have been given in the first place. I don't know. I, I, you know, there is one way to solve it. The Constitution says that if the government becomes too onerous to the people, you know, the government can be dissolved. And... That had that that was kind of done. That was the intention of the Civil War, you know. But on the flip side, uh, you also have to ask if it ever got to that point, because there are states who now, albeit states with small populations, uh, you know, who have have talked about in, in recent years 
on both sides because of Trump, because of Biden, because of so-and-so, you know, that they're going to secede from the union. Now, will the, the federal government go in and say you can't secede from the union? Because again, that's civil liberties violation. You know, if a state government based upon, you know, the majority of, of the, or, or however they, they determine that their citizenry wants to be independent, well, again, I think it that also kind of depends on the state. Yeah. You know, uh, there's a difference between New Jersey and, say, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's – or Delaware and California. <laughs> or Rhode Island and Ohio. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't think it's particularly useful to the discussion to um, to bring secession to the table because I don't think it's... While it's technically constitutionally an option... I think realistically at this point in our history it's so unlikely that it's it's not really worth talking about. See, I disagree. I I I think it, it to me it goes back to the the Article 5 Convention of States argument. I also find that to be a a a, a useless argument there's no point in bringing together the very same people who are violating our constitution to do a do-over yeah i agree with that as well it's just not well the problem is is even if there isn't an actual secession the path that we're taking is going to lead to division whether it becomes. But is it a real division or is it a manufactured division? I think it's both. I I think the the ordinary average American citizen is so disconnected from what's going on in the real world that they just don't care. Man, just give me my Doritos and my American Idol and STFU. Well, but see, that goes down to that the whole argument with the, the Nazis, you know, and that, what is it, the poem that they always talk about, you know, when they came for my guns, I didn't, didn't see the need for them, so I let them have them. When they came for this, I let them have that. Well, that's the same thing with, with the states and the rights. Now, but I mean, by then it's too late. Yeah. It's too late anyway. But, I, I, I mean, okay, I, but at that point, that goes back to uh, what happens do you live under the totalitarian regime, which is not the American way, even among the, the average Joe? Um, the American way is not to, to have your civil liberties violated every day. Now, there are people who live in fear who absolutely, they don't care. I, I wholeheartedly will, will offer this up as, a, uh, as an argument for uh, uh, to be considered. Not necessarily my actual position, but I think there's something to be said for Loki's argument that people prefer to be told 
what to do. You can dress that up oh, into yeah. being well, it, that does the celebrity of the day yeah. Yeah. Well, it does, or a politician. It, it does follow my, my uh, adage about, you know, people are either sheep or they're leaders. And there are far more sheep than there are leaders. And there's a lot of leaders who think they're leaders who are actually sheep. So take that for what it is. Uh, I can't discount the power of of media and entertainment. The no. celebrity culture is out of control in this country and probably in this world. The problem is, is they're not the ones in control. They're the ones being they're being manipulated. They're, for they're sure. being told what to say, and the ones who are actually in control are the Illuminati. <laughs> Again, not your actual argument, <laughs> but a kernel of truth. Yes, nonetheless. Well, tongue in cheek. That that uh that devolved in a way that I don't know that either of us were planning on having that this episode go, but it was a lot of fun to talk about. Indeed, Hunter Biden's laptop leads to a a serious political discussion on the lack of a moral fiber of our politicians and a lack of will of the people to actually know what's going on. Or do anything. Or do anything about it. So let us know what you think. That's gizmosapiens at gmail.com. And uh, we'll see you on the digital flip side. You've been listening to Gizmo Sapiens, a technology and entertainment podcast. You can reach us at our email address at gizmosapiens at gmail.com. That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week from the digital flip side.